for two. Kickers are extra, I give them the boo. Ooh. Going for two. Sit back, relax while I grab me a brew. Ooh. Now I'm reclining while putting my time and I'm ready to go. My spine is aligning and much my my lineups, my bank account grow. I am so rich, but knowledge is all that I'm leaving it with. Ooh. Listen to this. Multiple options, how far can I get? Ooh. DFS Dynasty Reader, tonight I'm not finishing last. I'm finishing past any and all I am looking to last. What else? This spot is popping and I am so locked in and only opening the door when it is opportunity knocking. And all of these spots keep on talking and talking. So what are we talking? What kind of alignment and running it deep? Even players forgotten or came from the bottom or hitting that topping. And this spot is popping, yeah, this spot is popping. And this is the arm chat. Yeah. Put up your arms, yeah. Sound the alarm, yeah. What is going on, guys, and welcome to the New Jersey Premier Personal League Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Lambert. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffLambert77. Of course, we are here tonight to break down your 12-team league here, your CBS Sports uh, League. Uh, we will count your te- teams down 12 to 1. I gave your rosters to these gentlemen that we're about to meet here in just a second, and they ranked them from 12 to 1 uh, in order of which they'd want to take them over. Uh, so first up, we got Mr. Brian Ford. Uh, he is the host of the Dynasty Saturday Night Five podcast right here on Going for Two Live. Also hosts the Dynasty Fever podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at ffjunkie underscore. What's up, Brian? Hey, how's it going? Really happy to do uh, a fellow fellow Jersey uh, podcast, being a Jersey boy myself, where we pump fists, not gas. <laughs> Good stuff. Also joining us tonight, Mr. Kyle Senra. He is the host of the Two Point Conversion Monday Night Pregame Show right here on Going for Two Live during the season. You could follow him at Senra Says. What's up, Kyle? Hey, we're getting there. One week, and most teams will have played their week one game. Yeah, it's so, crazy. Uh, yeah, it's, so this, it, it's great. Yeah, fantastic to be here. Not just uh, I'm I'm not a fellow New Jersey. I'm not even a fellow American to be honest. Uh, but uh, we do have a fellow Going for Two member specifically. A co-host, well, we'll say former co-host and occasional future co-host of the Monday Night Two Point Conversion in Dr. Jim Freddie, the fantasy sports doc. So uh, Stuff, glad yeah. that uh, you know he, he and his league that we can provide the service for them. Uh, oh, this is a great time. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and, and speaking of Doc, he is the uh, the commissioner of this league. Uh, I just wanted to shout out really quick at the top here uh, a big rest in peace to the league's founder, uh, New Jersey Transit Police Officer Brendan Burke, who passed away. Uh, I believe earlier this se- this year, I believe uh, he passed away, and Doc wanted me to give me a give him a shout out here at the top of the league. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was a, a hard thing for this league to to endure that, and uh, and Doc, you know, stepped up and took commission of this league. So, so shout out to you, Doc, as well. All right, so I kind of mentioned how the podcast is going to go. I gave these guys your rosters; they ranked them from 12 to one. Um, it is not 12 best or the, the best to worst; it's more or less how they would want to take these teams over. Um, and we will count those uh, that that ranking down tonight from 12 to 1. And when we get to the their teams in the ranking, they will break them down, strengths and weaknesses, uh, different things you can do to improve your roster. Uh, and this is the last PLP of the season. However, uh, we are running a special until the end of the year. If you use promo code EARLYBIRD24, you can save 20% on your PLP for next year. Uh, just visit goingfor2.com backslash PLP. Uh, early bird 24 is the promo code saves 20% ends up being less than seven bucks a person in a 12 man league. Uh, it's a great value. And I've mentioned a few times already, we've already sold out the whole month of July next year. 
Uh, so if you want to get yours, definitely jump in and get one soon. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get into the first team on the list. Number 12. Number 12 team was ranked unanimously as the number 12 team. It is Scallywags. And uh, Kyle, kick us off here. Well, I'll just be full transparent off the bat of how I approach the rankings, noticing the league settings, how shallow the starting lineups were, but also uh, just how the 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 minimums or the min and max at the exact number of starters at each position uh, kind of made it so roster construction almost gets thrown out the window. So many of the teams will be, uh, you know, similar looking. So then it really does come down to, to me, was the starting lineup putting so much emphasis on that. And uh, what I did was I, one thing I'd done before, I uh, touched down projections for every team in the NFL, passing and rushing, but also broken down to individual players. I just inputted my touchdown projections for each team and which starting lineups gave me the most touchdowns. And I, I just ranked them off that order. So uh, knowing that, you know, it's a redraft, I felt it was appropriate to kind of take that approach. Literally, which lineups do I think will score the most? And it's strange to think of a team with Christian McCaffrey finishing last in in such a shallow one QB league. He's arguably the 101, but I guess there's just not much behind him, the depth behind him. You know, Gibbs, Etienne, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, it's great. Again, normally I'd like to see more running back depth, but I understand that the league constraints don't make that quite possible. But as much as, uh, you know, maybe I like the top end running backs more than the top end wide receivers. So that would maybe mean be more depth at wide receiver, but uh, I feel like a pick like Jalen Hyatt at the back end, that would have, that would have been better served to be a running back Oh, five running backs instead of four receivers. So there were some team build things as in as limited as we could be with that. There were some things that influenced that as well, but I will say the thing that probably influenced the touchdown score the most is the quarterback uh, that they're just going to have so many touchdowns and they're counting for so much. And looking at Kirk Cousins, while I like him, I, I look at my redraft rankings, he's right at the back end of that QB1 range, either 12 or 13 for me, I believe. And so most of the other teams have a good quarterback, a quarterback ranked higher than him. So he would be one of the weaker starters. And then it goes to the other onesie position, a tight end to me, the, the next option. Um, Mike Gesicki and Daniel Bellinger, this is easily the worst tight end duo in the league because he, frankly, Scallywags has two backups as far as I'm concerned. I think Daniel Bellinger clearly the backup behind Darren Waller. From all accounts at the Giants camp, no one is behind Darren Waller. Wide receiver, tight end, or otherwise, he's likely to lead the Giants in targets. And I don't know what that leaves Bellinger's role at. I don't know that they're going to be a team playing 12 personnel and having two tight ends on the field a ton. So I easily droppable. And I think Jasicki, the thing is, we saw this already with the Patriots. Two off seasons ago, they paid Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. I think the money was uh, like average per season was almost identical. I think Jonu Smith got a slight bump, but they gave Jonu Smith the extra year on that contract. And two years in, they've already traded him and got rid of him. And, and I view Jonu Smith and Mike Jasicki as similar players. Brian, Jeff, I don't know if you think the comparison is the same, but very similar. Really athletic tight ends, but limited in terms of just catching over the course of their careers. They've both had like one good season where they've shown it, but. Other than that, nothing. And if already the one guy before that they paid significantly couldn't overtake Hunter Henry, I don't see how the new guy coming in is going to overtake Henry when he's had two years of, of uh, chemistry built in with Mac Jones. So am I off base with Gesicki? Because I know a lot of rankings have him ahead of Henry, but I really just don't get it. 
Yeah, no, I, I think you're right there. And I think not only that, it's the, the team he plays for almost requires a guy to block. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to get on the field on, the, on that team, you're going to have to block. And that's the one thing Gusecki cannot do. So Hunter Henry is a much better blocker. And I think he's going to be on the field a lot more than Gusecki. I think Gusecki has that has the spike weeks. He's a quote-unquote boom-bust tight end, I guess, if you can call that. He'll have those games where he might catch, you know, a long touchdown and, and really have it. But you're not going to know when those weeks are going to be. So I, I like the comparison to to um to what's his name as well. Um, sorry, to Johnny Smith. John Smith, yeah, that's who I was thinking. I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, John Smith. Brian, like, do you think that's a fair comparison between those two players? Or am I off base with that? You know, I wouldn't say off base, but... <clears throat> You know, I definitely in my dynasty rankings have Gasicki much higher than than Johnu Smith. Um, you know, I think with Gasicki and Smith, it's true that they've each really only shown that one year of um, receiving upside. But I think it's notable for Gasicki that you know coaching had a lot to do with that where he was. You know, in twenty twenty one. He was used well, and Tua targeted him a lot, and he ate. Uh, and then a new regime, you know, came in and changed him back to, uh, you know, basically a, a non-factor. Um, the 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 reason I have a little bit of hope for Gasicki in New England uh, is, uh, you know, the wide receivers there aren't great, um, and Bill O'Brien coached him at Penn State, and I just think he's. A, a big slot and uh i think you know teams are using that more lately i think he does have fairly good hands and athleticism uh i think you could have a situation in new england where Gasicki gets more targets but hunter henry is definitely um there for many more snaps uh, and will get more red zone looks and so the the, the td upside is is much better i think with henry which again, with my the like, way I'm just strictly projecting touchdowns into these rankings, kind of makes sense why it would be one of the lower tight end rooms where Siki not expect. Like, I've got him projected for two touchdowns this year, so you know, and me, and if I'm if I'm wrong with that, and I've got like if you let's say he takes over Henry's job and it's you know four, five, six touchdowns, then maybe that ch- also changes. The my approach with tight end, if you don't have one of the top seven, I'm very quick to change almost instantly. And, and this is, I think, the perfect team to do this with. If there's a tight end on the waiver wire that week one gets more targets than either Gesicki or Bellinger, I'm dropping that tight end for that, that other tight end. Maybe if there's two tight ends on the waiver wire that get more targets than both, drop both of these guys for those two. I think this scallywags more than any team in this league has to be really quick on the draw, knowing that everyone else can only roster two. So a lot of other teams are going to be less likely to take advantage of those tight ends. So they might actually have the, their perfect choice, uh, but be aggressive with that and do it week one I- immediately. If, if Gesicki is clearly behind Henry week one, I don't think he's going to, like, it, it, I would say it's something where they either like him so much that he's going to show up immediately or it's just not going to happen. Like, I don't see it something that where, okay, as he gets chemistry, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get better. If they've got a role and a plan for him, that's going to show up immediately. So if Gesicki doesn't get targets week one, I got no problem cutting it's, and probably even likelier with Bellinger again, playing behind Waller. Cause I could see, and to your point, Brian, about dynasty rankings, I think I also have Gusicki ahead of John U. Smith because John U. Smith is now behind Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Okay, that's a much bigger roadblock than Hunter Henry. I still think it's too big a roadblock for Gusicki to pass by, but it's likelier for him to pass that. 
unless Waller gets hurt, I don't see any way Bellinger's really getting on the field much. Agreed. So that's why I, I think that's the one immediate move this team can make that could potentially help them. If there's a tight end out there that there's always one every year, like Evan Ingram would have been available last year, week one. Yeah, I just and, pulled up their, their waiver wire just to give you a quick insight on who's available. Uh, and there are a few names. Trey McBride's one that stands out to me. I know they got Zach Ertz there, but Trey McBride's an athletic tight end. Uh, Ertz is, is questionable for week one in general. I think uh, McBride's a nice one. Uh, but then they got Kate Otten still out there. Luke Musgrave is out there. Uh, Logan Thomas, if he's healthy. Uh, Michael Mayer, you know, all guys that have at least better upside than Bellinger does for sure as of right now. So I would take. Oh, yeah. Otten, Musgrave, Mayer. The, boom. Go pick the go pick one of those guys up instead of instead of one of the guys you got there. Agreed. Yeah. At least Otten's the starting tight end for the Bucks, And considering the injury to Russell Gage, he might. That's actually, I think, the perfect target right now. A lot of the other guys, I would say you might as well just wait till after week one anyway and see. Like pick up Otten now, but also don't be afraid to just drop him if he. Yeah. Okay, Bucks aren't going to use tight ends this year at all. It's just going to be everything Evans Godwin that'll show up too. But I think with Evans questionable, maybe week one Auden already gets more targets. So that might be the guy I pick up to start, to be honest. Yeah, good call. Uh, the one thing I will say, Doc pointed this up with the defenses and you know how a bad matchup can get you like a minus 10 at defense. I will say, though, the thing that mitigates this is the fact that you have to roster two. So you always have options to potentially help avoid those bad matchups. So while Doc says it is significant, I also think I, I didn't put it into my rankings, frankly, because of that. Because you're going to have this depth of two. And because there's only two, you know there's teams available on the waiver wire to play matchups with. So I wasn't overly concerned with defense, which I still consider to be a very much a week-to-week game. I'm not Defense rankings don't really matter to me because a good defense goes up against a good offense. They're not going to score it. It's just the way it is. Just so the way it is, yeah. You're all, I'm always playing matchups with defense. So this league, I guess the fact that you have to roster two, again, means there's always going to be defenses available. Because you can't roster, not all 32 are going to be rostered. There's always going to be eight free agent defenses. Yeah, some of those bye weeks will limit those numbers, but there's always matchups to be played. So those defensive negative scorings, you can avoid them. I mean, you may not always avoid them, but you can avoid them by avoiding the best offenses and steering away from those all right, we ready to get to team number 11? Number 11. Number 11 team ranked as high as 9 and as low as 11, and it is Dave Collins. And Brian, this is your team here. Yeah, uh, Dave Collins is under new management, apparently, as well. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think I took a, a different approach, you know, than, than Kyle. I don't sit there and do, you know, projections for, for 32 teams. So that's not necessarily like informing, you know, to, to a specific degree uh, how, uh, how I did uh, these rankings. But, I mean, th- these, are, these are tough for me, you know. Um, uh, it's just, it's another league that I don't know that I would play in <laughs> with the settings. But, um, uh, you know, so... Um, I, I think he got uh, mostly young starters for the most part uh, and fields at quarterback could be a boom bust uh, kind of guy. Um, and the, the bench is kind of, you know, I would say mostly meh, mediocre, uh, but you are solid at tight end. The thing that really stands out here, and I think one thing that, that hurt you in the rankings is that you now have to deal with the JT situation. Congratulations, you know, um, and 
you know, it's like the worst possible scenario for fantasy. What happened with, with JT as I went over the other night when we were doing a PLP. So you essentially are, you know, burning a roster spot here because you're not going to drop him. You know, he carries little trade value, but you know, you have a situation where he's missing at least four games. You could shift him to IR, I suppose for four weeks, you know, and, and who knows, because of the relationship with the team, how long this is going to draw out and how many weeks he's actually going to play and how many weeks he's actually going to miss. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, so I think that that hurts you there. Uh, you know, you got Fields and Geno at, at quarterback. Um, it's not bad. Like, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I there's like eight quarterbacks I trust and Fields is like the eighth of those. So you're like just on on the fringe there. I'm a little lower on Gino than most folks this year. Uh, I'm uh, I'm more concerned that he's a little bit not that he like totally turns back into a pumpkin, um, but you know, second half Gino was was not very good statistically speaking. 2021 Russ was actually better than Gino on most metrics, except for like raw completion percentage. Um, it just it's the drama around the whole Russ thing that makes us think Russ was bad and and Gino was was super good. Um, also, I expectations, just, frankly, were so low for Gino last year and so high for Russ. Yeah, I don't necessarily have uh, so much faith in in Gino going into going into this year. Um, you know, and your running backs: Bijan, JT, Miles Sanders, and Deion Jackson. Deion Jackson, I don't think is great JT insurance. I think you could probably. Get somebody better off the waiver wire. He's fairly limited to satellite back receiving back type stuff. Um, you know, yes, Moss is out for a bit, but I mean, let, let's face it. Like, it's not, just not really a backfield that you want to you want really much to do with uh, while while JT is out. <clears throat> uh, at least, at least to to begin with, uh, you certainly don't want the you know most ancillary option in that backfield. Sanders is an interesting story. I, I, I tend to be a little high on him uh, this year uh, for, for 2023. I think he is going to get a lot of that, you know, three down type, uh, type usage. He's back with his old running backs coach. He's, he's back with coaching uh, who trusts him to, you know, be a pass catcher more than, uh, more than the coaching at, at Philly did, except for that one season. Um, the, the concern there is that the offensive line isn't very good and they are going to want to protect their, their number one overall pick. And Sanders isn't a very, very good at pass pro. So he may be losing snaps and getting stuffed rushing. So there's a downside to him uh, as well. And Bijan, listen, Bijan's Bijan, but you know, he's a rookie, right? And so I just, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing, you know, some question marks, right? Um, and so we look at the wide receivers, you know, Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen, uh, Dotson, Dubs, and Juju. You know, that's not bad either. I mean, Garrett Wilson, he could, he could break fantasy and be wide receiver one this year and really have that, like, Devontae Adams-type relationship with, with Aaron Rodgers. Or it might start slow because he doesn't trust young guys a, a lot in, in, in his career. And, you know, and Rodgers could be more of 2022 Rodgers than he is 2021 Rodgers. So we'll see. Um, Keenan Allen. You know, I think he's a he's he's a bargain this year in in redraft. I like him. You know, he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of targets. I think people think he gets banged up, but when you really look at the total missed time he's had in his career, it's not a lot. It's just that that one that one year last year with a with a nagging hamstring. So you want to, you know, you, you know, you hope that's over. I'm a big Dotson believer. Um, 
you know, it's really be interesting to see how how BNME uses them, and especially with you know Terry uh, McLaurin has the turf toe for a while. So I think you're good there. I, I, you know, I, Dubs, eh, you know, I mean, you know, there's that buzz that he was, you know, Jordan Love's number one target in camp for a while. Uh, he, you know, he'll be a decent flanker. I think Jaden Reed is going to be the receiver to have there besides Christian Watson. So I, I don't, I forget on the spreadsheet whether or not he's available, but. You know, he, he's a guy I might look for. Juju, you know, in PPR, this league is PPR, and he's probably going to be a target hog, at, you know, for stretches for, for New England um, for that type of offense and that type of quarterback. So, you know, that, that's some pretty good uh, receiver depth. I love tight, the, your, your tight ends. I mean, I think Goddard is a little bit overrated, and I think Muth is going gonna, is gonna to just explode this year. I, I'm predicting a really big year for Pat Fryermuth. The thing, though, is you have two essentially top, whatever, six to eight tight ends, depending on most people's rankings. I would trade one of them. Now, I know trades are kind of hard with, like, the roster limitations and stuff you have, so you're going to have to work it out. But I might want to address some of the question marks you have at running back or wide receiver by moving off of one of those tight ends. Um, Especially if it's not a tight end premium, you don't need – two like super good tight ends like that so that would be um one piece of advice as far as uh, a tweak that that you could make but but yeah it um if i thought i think if there was a stronger floor at quarterback and not the jt situation i think your team would be ranked higher than it is well to that point yeah if jt wasn't on the pup list i'd probably at least rank them ninth instead of 11th like i did uh and so I just think that's a good thought, Brian, with the trade idea. And you know, I also want to connect the idea we're talking about with Romeo Dubs. Uh, I think it could go really either way between him and Reed, but I'd be willing to take the risk enough that even if they finish close, you're probably Dubs as a fifth receiver on this team is probably expendable. So can you go Frymuth and Dubs, like tear down at tight end and get an upgrade on Dubs? Maybe the other teams. Whatever whoever uh, this team is trading with, their wide receiver five is viewed as better as Dubs, and you can upgrade that way. Still keep your starter in Goddard, or like Brian said, Goddard's so maybe overpriced. Perhaps that's the way to get a, a better return. You you tear up significantly from Dubs at that. So I do like that idea, Brian. Yeah, that's Love a good it. call. And just just for the record, uh, Jaden Reed is actually on the waiver wire. So if you wanted to just flip him out, you could do that as well. If you think he's got higher upside, um, I had this team ranked slightly higher than y'all did. Um, at ninth, you know, not too terribly much higher, but I, I did like the, the lineup in the beginning, the starting lineup here with Justin Fields, Bijan, uh, Miles, Keenan Allen. I can go through all of them, but you know, Brian mentioned him. I think overall his starters are really good, and in a league this shallow, um, having good starters as long as they stay healthy can definitely win you some games. Um, you know, I might throw Deion Jackson out there week one. Let's see what he does against the Jags, but that would be another thing. Like if maybe Brian's right and he ends up being more of a periphery satellite back and not so effective on the ground. That's someone you're maybe willing to drop week one or two when it seems like Zach Moss be on the verge of returning and JT's eventually. But it does seem like if Deion Jackson's ever going to have a good game, it's probably super early when yep. there's so little in that backfield. Because uh, I know how much Brian loves Evan Hull, <laughs> who, he, who he, he, he flat out refused well, to mention in that whole segment. So I think we can uh, move on there. Yeah, well, I mean, Hull, I think, is, is going to be the guy to have if, if it's clear that JT's going to miss a lot of time. Um, and that, and he's got the most uh, well-rounded skill set, right? Like Zach Moss can break tackles and stumble two or three yards and Deion Jackson can catch passes. 
But Evan Hall can kind of do both of those better, right? So, yeah. I, you know, I think eventually, you know, if it's clear that this relationship is broken and JT's essentially going to, like, be showcased at the trade deadline, and then if he's not traded, shut down for a few weeks, like, then Hull's going to be the guy to have it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, let's get to team number 10. Number 10. Uh, number 10 team was ranked unanimously as the number 10 team by all of us. It is first down syndrome. And Kyle, this is your team here. Take it away. Well, it's funny because the first thing I'm going to talk about is the same thing we talked about the last team. That was a unanimous selection, team 12, and talking about the tight ends. And Sam Laporta and Juwan Johnson. This is another tight end room that seems like the last one, although I would argue both of these guys are actually the starting tight ends on their teams. But that could also be something with. I mean, Laporte is a rookie. Maybe he doesn't see targets right away, especially considering that situation. Uh, Jamison Williams out. Marvin Jones right now is the wide receiver, too. And then behind that, it's Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond. You know, does Gibbs, like he and Gibbs are both rookies coming in and potentially number two, number three on that team in targets. So if Laporte doesn't see targets immediately, he's someone I'm willing to drop because, frankly, it's, it's probably going to, the breakout probably should happen almost immediately. Uh, he not, you know, once Williams is there, I'd imagine that takes that potential away. So uh, wait, like I wouldn't cut it either now, but wait to see week one. It's the same principle. If there's a tight end out there getting more targets than Laporte or Jawan Johnson, I've got no hesitation to make that replacement and go with that player getting the targets. Um, in terms of the rest of the team, I guess a little bit of question at Running back is Brees Hall, similar to JT. How much time is he going to miss? Now it looks like he might not miss any. It might be a go week one. Kind of a scary proposition, though, playing him week one against the Bills defense. I think Ramondre and Cam Akers, that's at least two good options that we, we anticipate getting carries. So if Hall's coming on slowly, they at least have two good options that they can plug in there to start. If Hall is kind of back to 100%, and then that's a lot of upside there, and then that's a great option. I mean, Brees Hall, Tyree Kill, Chris Olave, all three high upside options to kind of anchor this team. To, to if again, if Hall can recapture what he was last year, I suppose, especially if Brees Hall is catching a lot of passes, he's got the uh, Brees Hall, Aaron Rodgers stack going, so that could help elevate the the lineup. Sir, yes, yeah, Tyree Kill, Chris Olave, Brandon Ayuk, maybe basically the. Three to carry, I think, most of the season because three backups are rookies. So you probably want to play those three vets for as many weeks as possible. If the rookies start showing something, then they could potentially be flexed in. But also having three rookies as a backup, I kind of think Rasheed Rice might be expendable too. Like, I wouldn't be afraid to cut one of really like four rookies on this team between Laporta and, and the three receivers. I wouldn't be afraid to cut one meant getting a more established player early on. Again, this is redraft. We're just trying to work, win this year. And maybe these rookies come on in the playoffs, but there's potential that they just don't come on at all this year. Yeah, I mean, just a, just a one-for-one one switch. If, if, you know, if Rashi Rice is the one that you drop, I'm looking at the waiver wire and the guy at the top of the list, Marvin Mims. I know he's also a rookie, uh, but with Judy potentially being out that first week, he's going to get a ton of work, whereas they've already come out and said publicly that Rashi Rice is a quote-unquote package receiver, meaning he's not going to be a starter. Marvin Mims might get more than he can handle in the first few weeks. And if you want to, you know, a, a young upside receiver, I think Mims has some good, some good value there. Brian, you Rupp- want exposure to that Chiefs team. Can you go get Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Yeah, he's, he's he looks there like he's well. going to be the primary deep threat for Patrick Mahomes, which could be 
he, he, it seemed like he struggled, especially early in the year, but the second half, he seemed to be better. So maybe that chemistry has worked in. Yeah, good call. Brian, what are your thoughts here on this team, real quick? Uh, I think the name is offensive. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, I think I'd be worried with Rodgers as my QB1 and um, Goff, but Goff is a, is a good insurance plan. The thing with Goff, though, is he's essentially a part-time player because um, you can't really start him outdoors. Uh, so, you know, there, there's... I think there's it even nine goes... Nine games a year, essentially. <laughs> All his home games and then when he yeah. plays the Vikings. And then whenever he plays the Vikings in a dome and if he has a dome road game or something, which he isn't even great at, you know, to begin with. So, you know, that, that, would, that would concern me. Um, I look at, uh, you know, my notes, and I think, um, you know, Brees could get out to a slow start, and it seems like if they're going to be in a win-now window, uh, they're probably lean on Cook a little more than another team might. Um, and the name was never cool, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and let's see. Um, you know, I think... If you are going to go with a rookie tight end, Sam Laporta is, is uh, I think he's going to be heavily targeted. I think the Lions are excited about using him in certain ways. But, you know, there are those concerns that it, it is a rookie tight end and, and that, um, you know, we, we, we do have a, 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 a quarterback in an offense that's going to be spreading it out. Jameer Gibbs uh, is going to catch a lot of balls. You know, um, Amon Ra is going to catch a lot of balls. So. You know, you, you wonder, although I am, you know, I do have Laporta ranked, ranked high. Um, I think he has a, a pretty solid bench, and I think Rice is probably the, the weakest point in that and is the most easily replaceable. I think when I looked in the, in the settings that the doc gave us, um, the, uh, <clears throat> there's like, there's mins and maxes on running backs and wide receivers. And so I, I would not replace Rasheed Rice with another wide receiver. I like having running back depth on my roster. So I would replace him with like a contingency upside running back or somebody else's handcuff or something like that rather than, you know, uh, another, you know, uh, my sixth or seventh wide receiver on my team. Uh, because running back is an elevator and wide receiver is uh, an escalator. And what I mean by that is if a running back goes down, it's next man up for, for the most part, right? Wide receiver goes down, another guy might get on the field, but then he has to earn targets. The targets might be earned by the guys who are already on the field before that guy earns them. Essentially, carries are given, targets are earned. Um, and uh, so I would, in a PPR league, look for a running back who has some pass-catching uh, upside, and, and that's who I would replace uh, Rice with. A couple of names here that I got on the waiver wire here, Brian. Uh, Kendra Miller, uh, Roshan Johnson, Gus Edwards. And uh, Devin Singletary, any of those guys over him? Edwards the least because he has the least passing upside, I think, you know, but the other guys, yeah, I, I'd want them more than I would want Rashi Rice in a, in a shallow redraft league like this. Kyle, do you think so? Yeah, either rookie running back rather than a rookie wide receiver, especially considering there's already two other rookie wide receivers and a rookie tight end. At least balance it out with the positions, right? Get, get Kendry Miller in there. Could get some work early with Kamara on suspension. Um, Devin Sing, when you said pass catchers, I was thinking none of those guys really project as high volume pass catchers, except potentially Singletary if he really does take the majority of the third down work. With a mm -hmm. rookie quarterback, could there potentially be a lot of dump off options, especially without a clear alpha wide receiver? I might be inclined to go with Singletary, to be honest. Yeah, good call. 
Is there, yeah, with the roster max, can you go six running backs and four wide receivers? Is that possible? Or is it just would it have to be five and five? I'd have if to go, you go six and four. I, I like pushing Brian's idea even further to the extreme, go six running backs and really build the depth of the position in a league where it's tough to get that depth. Yeah. If you, if you're, because I think, yeah, Tyreek, Olave, Ayuk, you're probably not benching any of them. Like, play all three every week, and especially Ayuk, he's the type of high-variance receiver where it's tough to know when to start him, so the best thing to do is just to start him every week, and, and yeah, there's some low weeks, but you capture all of his spike weeks, and hopefully those help you win games. So with that in mind, I don't mind going not deep at all at wide receiver and just playing the studs as best you can. Yeah, Doc's saying you can only go five and five. You can go okay. four running back, six receiver, but not... Uh... Not the extra running back. I okay. Guess. Well, yeah, five and five is probably the mix I would prefer to have, I think, for almost all these teams, frankly. I'm sure Brian agrees. Yeah. All right. Let's get to team number nine. Number nine. Number nine team ranked as high as eight and as low as 11, and it is both barrels. Brian, take it away. Yeah, I seem to be the highest. I, I rank this team eighth. I think they have very solid starters, and I love Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, he's ascending. I think he's going to be even better than he was last year. He's among those eight quarterbacks that I really trust as a QB1. And I think importantly, even though it's, it's six-point um, TD passes, uh, you know, it's 2023 fantasy football. And, you know, he does bring a, a, at least a little bit of rushing upside. They, they, they may try to protect him a little bit more this year, especially near the, near the end zone. But, uh, y- you know, he's... He adds, he adds w- with his legs, which is important in 2023. Um, but, and here's the, the but, and I think that's you know, what, what maybe kept the rankings down here. I'm kind of down on Godwin. Uh, I talked about him last night on, on Saturday Night Five as one of my fallers in my dynasty rankings. And I just think that offense is a dumpster fire. I know the Evans injury and the possible Evans trade because of his contract negotiations are stalling could help Godwin, but. I'm just, I'm trying to stay off Tampa at, like as much as, as I can uh, this year. And I just, I just don't see great things for Godwin. But I think more importantly, now you get to deal with the cup situation. Our friend before had to deal with the JT situation. I think, you know, obviously there's more optimism on cup because, um, you know, he, he's not already on the IR missing four weeks and he's going to see a specialist and, you know, he's still technically can play week one although i think it's it's doubtful um the the problem the problem there with with cup is that you know he's 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 past that age apex right that we talk about in dynasty so he's already re-injured the hamstring and he had the uh the tightrope surgery for the whatever the ankle thing or whatever before the hamstring even occurred so you know there's a lot of you know um, a higher percentage of injury risk moving forward. I think I saw something where um, wide receivers with the hamstrings, like before age 30, there was like a 12 or 13% chance of re-injury and past age 30, it like doubles to 26, you know, and, and that, that doesn't mean just like the one re-injury. It, it means like this could nag him all season. You know, all you have to do is look at 2022 Keenan Allen to see what, you know, nagging hamstrings can do and how that essentially ruined his season and kind of kind of really hurt Justin Herbert, you know, that year too. So you're kind of stuck, you know, with, with, with Cup, you know, be, because again, he, he's not going to have much trade value in the current situation. So he's, he's kind of a, a, a big question mark for you. Um, 
you do have, I think, a, a good bench. I, I like your quarterbacks. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm probably not drinking the Daniel Jones Kool-Aid as much as some other people, but I think I'm drinking more of it than I was a couple months ago. And they both, you know, can, can help you with, your le- with their legs. Pollard, oh, oh, baby, I love Tony Pollard in 2023. Uh, you, you may have the RB1 in fantasy there and, and in a PPR league and he catches passes, and that's important. I'm down on Rashad White. But I think um, I think I think P Ryan is is one of the best you know contingency upside you know guys that also has a little bit of standalone value. Listen, I know there's a lot of optimism around Javante and and his recovery and, and he looks good. But let's face it, you know um, running backs are like always a committee these days for the most part. Peyton likes to rotate his running backs, and you know Javante may look good now and that kind of thing. But you know preseason defenses are vanilla and. He's, you know, he's less than a year removed from the ACL injury. So, so there's, 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 and I would say ditto for Warren as far as having some standalone upside, uh, but, but having really good contingency upside should there be an injury to Najee Harris. So I, I, I do like, you know, your running backs, even though I kind of don't like Rashad White um, at receiver, you know, you're pairing a cup with a, with a, you know, essentially another, you know, top 12 to 15 receiver um, uh, with uh, uh, T. Higgins. Uh, Chris Godwin, you know, he's not a bad wide receiver three. I just don't like him just in a vacuum really this year. Um, Addison, listen, you know, people are saying whatever. K.J. Osborne's the wide receiver two now officially on the depth chart. But, you know, Adam Thielen ran um, the second most routes in football last year. And that's essentially who Addison is now, right? He's going to eventually be the wide receiver two on that team. You know, of all the rookie wide receivers, like I think I have him ranked second in my dynasty rankings, but like I think I would probably it would be tough to to rank him too far below, if not above JSN for twenty twenty three. Cause I think he's just gonna eat. He's I think he's just gonna eat a lot of targets. They're not gonna throw as many passes as they threw last year, probably. There's just, you know, regression to the mean, but like he's gonna eat. Uh, you know, Zay Jones, um, I kind of am coming around on a little bit. I, I, I think I thought that Ridley was essentially going to bury Zay Jones and that Christian Kirk didn't have much to worry about because their roles are different. You know, Ridley being more on the outside and Kirk being more in the slot. I think now I kind of have brought Kirk down just a smidge and brought Zay Jones up just a smidge. So as far as a depth receiver goes, you know, on that offense, he's, he's fine. Uh, you know, and Chark, uh, you know, he's banged up and stuff but there are some people who are saying you know they look at the the carolina wide receivers and they're like who the hell is going to be number one to, you know pick your poison there's people who think chark is going to be there you know, the reliable uh the reliable veteran you know for for bryce young there's people who think it's going to be mingo and in the intermediate um and there's people who think you know adam Thielen's going to be the safety blanket and hayden hayden hurst at the tight end is going to be the safety blanket so I mean, you know, that's not a, you know, Chark could be the guy you want, uh, you know, in Carolina this year. And that's, that's not bad to have as your sixth wide receiver. But again, I'm probably looking to go five, five in this league. So I would see what I could do to add to that running back room, especially, I said room again. I hate saying that, especially with Rod, with Rashad Wright as my number two. I don't love that. So I'd look, I'd look elsewhere. And then tight end Waller and Chig, I, you know, I think you have essentially a guy who's, a wide receiver and, and Darren Waller, who's going to get peppered with targets. He's probably going to be the number one pass catcher in, in, in New York. That's 
the, you know, all, all the tea leaves all say that. Uh, and then Chig is, is your, your, your dice roll, your, your high upside guy, you know, uh, who, you know, could have, you know, some really interesting spike weeks and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think in general, it's a well-rounded team. I just think it's a little thin at running back past Pollard. And now you have to deal with the cup situation. And if those two things weren't there, I might have been even higher on the team than I am. And I, and I was already the highest on you. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, One thing- I was gonna say, I'm the lowest on them. So I wanted to throw a little salt in the wound and just kind of go why I thought they were you know, ranked 11 is where I had them. And, you know, all the players you mentioned, I do also like, uh, you know, singularly, I like them players as the group. I'm a little worried because you mentioned Pollard. Pollard's never had the lead role, even in college, never had the lead role. So how long can he last in that lead role? I love Pollard again, uh, but there's that question mark. Rashad White, you know, is he going to be the guy we hope he is? Jordan Addison's a rookie. Does he start slow? We already mentioned Cup being injured already. Um, Darren Waller, can he stay healthy this year? Uh, Chris Godwin's got a quarterback situation that's not very good. So when you add all those question marks up, it had me ranking them a little bit lower. Um, all those guys I mentioned, I like them you know, to have on my teams. I just don't want to have all of them on my teams because the chances that all of them sort of have those good seasons is going to be very slim. So that, that was my thought process with them at number 11. Slim, I think, is a really good word because uh, Brian mentioned uh, Cooper Cup's uh, the, the surgery. Like he said, it was a tightrope surgery. It feels like you're walking a tightrope with Cup, but I, I suppose with all the pirate themes league, the more the better analogy is you feel like you're walking the plank with Cooper Cup. Right. I also think it's kind of appropriate that a team with both barrels would fill both positions, running back and wide receiver, with a squash buckling buccaneer in Rashad White and Chris Godwin. But I also understand like Brian's hesitation to double up on. I, I mentioned I have pro- touchdown projections for every team. The Buccaneers are the team I have with the least amount of offensive touchdowns. My prediction: thirty-two total for the whole team. So it, 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 it's not a great team to want to double up and invest in. I will say though, I do like that they have two potential stack options without the need to have to play both of the stacks. So Trevor Lawrence, Darren Waller, your main starters, you're probably going to start them most weeks. But if you think the Giants are in a really good matchup, you could potentially bench Lawrence for Jones to get especially a really good matchup where you think it'll be touchdowns to Waller. A really, like, maybe more so than the quarterback matchups, you're looking for good tight end matchups. And that's the weeks you play Jones so that you can get double exposure to those touchdowns because you're probably going to start Waller most anyway. In games where the Jaguars have to have a shootout, I think they play the Chiefs week two. Is that the sneaky week to play Zay Jones and stack him with Lawrence, especially early in the season before he's built up that chemistry with Ridley? Maybe he's still relying on Zay Jones like he did towards the end of the season. So week two might be a sneaky spot to put in Zay Jones to take advantage of that stack. But they don't ever have to play Zay Jones or Daniel Jones, frankly, but they're both there kind of as good throw-in stack options when you think the, uh, the high upside matchups are there and when you think the low floor might come into play, then you leave both on the bench. So there's some sneaky, smart ways about this roster that's built. I guess the one big red hole is you're starting two bucks most weeks with Godwin and White. That's where you could hurt your upside. Yeah, agreed. And, and you're right. If, if Addison has a, a, a bad week one, you know, you could throw Zay Jones in over there, over Addison, assuming Cup isn't back at this point, um, and have that stack with Trevor Lawrence, and, and it could end up paying off for you. Because I think he's, Zay Jones had a, 
three touchdown game last year at one point. I had him in DFS that week, and it was a very good week for me. So uh, it's always a possibility for sure. That's why you should also watch the Friday Night DFS show. Absolutely. All right, let's get to number eight. Number eight. Number 18 ranked as high as eight and as low as nine, and it is Team Finns with the PH. And uh, Kyle, this is your squad here. Well, Finns, like most teams, goes thin at wide at running back. Sorry, uh, three starters though potentially in Ek- well, not potentially. It looks like likely starters in uh, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Javante Williams. It, kind of a luxury to have Javante as a third running back though, because I am a little hesitant, like Brian is. But they, you know, Finns doesn't have to start Williams every week. You'd wait to see that he's coming back healthy. So probably week one. Although I think I think the Steelers play the 49ers, so maybe. I don't know. Week one, the the Broncos take on the Raiders. That's kind of a tantalizing matchup where I'd consider benching Najee for that. But it's it's scary to do it earlier in the season before we've seen Williams come back. But again, the fact that he's potentially a third option means you don't have to be started every week. So that's the I guess the good thing about the team. Uh, upside at wide receiver, like like figuring out that wide receiver three. I think Waddle and Lockett are probably going to be started most weeks, especially early in the season when JSN looks to be out right now with the wrist injury who knows how much time he's actually going to miss but i i have pretty strong confidence playing Lockett throughout that is michael thomas back uh is nico collins the wide receiver one in houston is brandon cooks developing good chemistry with Dak prescott and i mean a number two target there potentially like there's some if situations where one of those three might hit uh and i guess all you need really is for one of those three to hit with lock it and waddle kind of locking down the, the lineup so there's some high risk receivers there but again whoever ends up emerging as that that pays off the risk will be the third receiver on the team so there's not necessarily the the need for all three of those risky guys to carry the team uh again i prefer five and five to to four and six so uh i don't know but maybe there's less obvious drop player here like you drop in george pickens dropping nico collins i suppose if michael thomas is still hurt or gets hurt or or isn't the same maybe he's the drop uh to get that fifth running back in but uh yeah i guess uh kyle pitts deshaun watson well one we're expecting a we're hoping for like a an emergence from pitts the other one with watson a a re-emergence so to speak and bouncing back to what used to be as a fantasy producer if Watson comes back. I think that's great, but there's a lot of risk in this quarterback room because Kenny Pickett as the backup isn't really a solid, safe option. Didn't you know started to show some stuff at the end of the year, but it still is a long way to go to be kind of relied on week after week as a fantasy option. So if Watson isn't doing well this year, there's not really a great second option, to be fair. Like uh, I, I would have a hard time starting Kenny Pickett in a one QB league. I don't think I have many I mean, in a super flex league. I don't even want to start him necessarily. Uh, so uh, but all to say, Austin Eckler, he might finish as the RB1, could be the highest scoring player in this league, running back or wide receiver, and end up being the most valuable asset. So having that is strong, but I don't know that it carries the team into the, the playoffs necessarily. Uh, again, we are, all three of us either had them ranked eighth or ninth, just looking outside that playoff. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on your analysis. I, I had him at eight as well, and, and Brian, you had him at nine. Uh, anything you wanted to add to that, Brian? Yeah, I think, you know, you've got pretty good starters, but I think there's some question marks there that, um, that Kyle went, went over well. Um, Pitts is interesting, right? Because, like, I, I love him and I'm high on him, and I think people 
are, are have given up on him too too early. There have been some indications in preseason though that if you had to put put your chips on one or the other, that you you would put your chips on on London instead. Um, but you know, I I do love him, I, and I love you know Jalen Waddle. I think there's a pretty solid bench there. My my concern about Eckler <clears throat> is with the new offensive coordinator. Um, as much as uh, I saw a video that Colt, you know, Colt McCoy actually before he got cut, he, uh, he's the new Josh uh, McNown. McCown, yeah, yeah, that yeah. he does the videos with Underdog now, and he was going over Kellen Moore's scheme, and Kellen Moore does this thing called aggressively take what the defense gives you, which seems counterintuitive, right? There's aggression, but then there's just take what they give you, and that can lead to you know still Eckler getting some targets, but he also likes to push the ball downfield more. And he has Mike Williams to do that. I think Quentin Johnson, as much as I'm not a big believer in him, I think can do that eventually, at least a little bit in, in, in the year. You're going to have Gerald Everett up the seam and things like that. So, you know, you, you wonder what the targets are going to be like with Eckler. Eckler, so much of his value comes from passing. But if you look at the target shares um, last year from games where neither Keenan Allen or Mike Williams played, games where one of them played, and then games where both of them played, he clearly gets targeted a lot less, you know, intuitively, uh, when both are on the field, you know. Uh, So I'm a little worried about Eckler being, like, you know, top three or four running back upside this year. Um, But, but yeah, you know, I think think like, like a lot of leagues, you know, we've got a lot of teams with a chance to make noise and, you know, I think this team has a chance. Yeah, and just I mean, to go a little bit further on the Austin Eckler thing, um, you know, you said, you know, if one of them were healthy, Keenan Allen actually is the one that hurts him even more. Like, there was a, some, uh, a study done or a research done on the two guys being out, and Keenan, because he works the middle of the field, which is kind of where Eckler would work as well, is actually the one that whenever Keenan was healthy, Eckler's targets went down. So, obviously, they're all healthy right now, so we'll see how that offense shakes out, but um, that is something to, to monitor for sure. Well, I think Eckler was the RB1 last year. It was two facets. I think he had like 120 targets or something ridiculous. To- led the team because, again, the injuries and he played most of the games. He also had 20 touchdowns. And that's two years in a row where he's gotten a lot of touchdowns. Yep. Is that who he is now? It's like, is, because of this Justin Herbert offense, like there's just going to be so many touchdowns available that he could do it again. I think it's potential. It's definitely possible. All it takes is one of those two things to work against him for him to not be the RB1. If he his targets drastically decrease or the touchdowns kind of return to a career average. Because uh, what did I project him at? I, I, and I project players at averages a lot. I haven't projected for 11 touchdowns. Still be up there for running backs when I'm looking at their averages. But if he returns to something like that, there's probably another running back that's having an outlier-like season getting close to 20 that's going to severely outscore him. So it's not just the pass catching, it's also the touchdown that could just... Good call. Yeah. All right, number seven. Number seven. Number seven team uh, ranked pretty flat as well, as high as six, as low as seven, and it is B-O-H-I-C-A, and maybe I'm just old, but I have no idea what that stands for. Uh, Brian, this is your squad. I was in a fantasy baseball league for years with a with a a, a team that had this name. Uh, I just always just read it as Bohica, and I didn't know like. And I think I learned what 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 there were, that it was an acronym. Like maybe my last year or two in that league, but I also am among the aged and and forget uh, <laughs> perhaps what should have maybe Googled it before I uh, 
because it might be another. Well, I just did. It looks like it's a military term, so I'm just going to look into that more, and I'll have an answer by the end uh, of your Okay, that's definitely probably why I don't know it. Uh, <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, I just I just saw it too, and <laughs> thanks, Doc. Doc just uh, chimed in there. Bend over here, it comes again. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you guys, twelve. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so, all right, uh, I, I think we've got some, some solid starters here. I think the, the weakest of, among your starters uh, are, you know, probably Dak and, and D-Hop, but, you know, you do have Tua uh, as, a, as an insurance policy with Dak. Not that I don't like Dak, I just, you know, if there's a weakness among them, it, it's, it's probably those two. Um, I think, uh, you know, your bench running backs and wide receivers are a little, eh, you know, for me, so I, I might look to make improvements there if possible so you know you've got Dak and two at quarterback you know neither of them are really in that like solid eight that i super trust um but they're like right outside of it so like you know they're fine you know especially in uh in in this in this kind of league um Dak, uh, you know i think it gets overblown a little bit with with his sort of outlier year of interceptions and i think you know the vibes around things and you know the way that fans talk about things kind of bleed into how people think about him in, in fantasy Absolutely. and the rushing, the rushing may not be there and he may be 30 years old and all that, but he's a good quarterback. He'll, he'll be fine. Even if the offense isn't as potent, you know, he'll be fine. Um, and Tua, you know, it, if he can avoid the, the concussions again, doesn't add much with his legs, but is a distributor on a really, you know, uh, potent offense with a very good coach, very good offensive mind, you know, throwing to electric receivers, Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle, so you know I think you're 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 pretty good there. Running backs: Jacobs, Kenneth Walker, um, Mostert, uh, Wilson, and Vaughn. So, okay, so Jacobs, I love. He's fine. He's back with the team. Whatever. Kenneth Walker, I, I tend to be lower on than than most folks. I think Charb's going to eat into him a little bit more than some other folks think. He's an inefficient runner. He's a home run threat. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, but I, I worry about, um, you know, his, uh, his consistency and, and, and therefore, you know, his overall, you know, ceiling production. Um, and then you get a little murky, like, you know, we, you know, of course, with Wilson on the IR, Mostert's going to get a lot of looks early, early on, but he's Raheem Mostert and he's 31 and, you know, no, no one is injury prone, but I, you know, I think that the doc can support me that, um, uh, past injury is often an indicator just correlated with future in- injury just kind of just kind of works out that way sometimes especially with soft tissue stuff and um you know so I- i'm concerned there i'm also concerned that you know uh, uh they like aching you know christopher brooks is actually kind of a sleeper that i like so and then also you have two running backs from the same backfield which i don't like doing on my teams um so the thing is about like, and this isn't necessarily one of those situations, but when you handcuff your, you know, a primary running back, you know, you're kind of eating two roster spots for one. And it requires you, you failing on one roster spot for the second one to hit, right? So instead of, say, having like just uh, Josh Jacobs and Zamir White, for example, right, you would have Josh Jacobs and Keontae Ingram, right? Because if Connor gets hurt right now you have two running backs in jacobs and and keontae ingram right um whereas if jacobs gets hurt and you all you have is amir white you have one running back now 
right? And so that's kind of one of the reasons why I shy away from having two running backs in the same backfield. And then Keyshawn Vaughn is, I, mean, I think he's pretty gross. Like, you know, maybe early on he gets some of the rushing work that, that you know, when they spell Rashad White. I think that's going to be Sean Tucker eventually. So wrong, wrong uh, Vaughn. Just, uh, it was Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my I bad. Too. My bad. Much, Sorry. much rather have Deuce Vaughn than Keyshawn Vaughn, though. I agree. Keyshawn I, Vaughn is, uh, I'm surprised he even made the team, to be honest. I forgot to put the first initial in my notes. I apologize. But e- e- even then, Deuce Vaughn, I mean, yeah, I would rather have him than Keyshawn Vaughn, but I mean, come on, he's Deuce Vaughn. Like, he's, 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 <laughs> he's five foot five. He's, he's, yeah, if you didn't like Evan Hall that much. <laughs> he's a, uh, uh, what's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like a satellite back? Yeah, no, back? Almost like a circus freak, you know? Like, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's trying to be nice. You know, like, he's, he's a 5'5, five, five, 170, whatever. Like, he'll, he'll have a few fun weeks, I think. You know, and he'll catch some passes, and his dad's a scout, so he's on the team, whatever. But, like, he's like that running back room needs help after Walker, is essentially what I'm saying. Um, and then receivers, I, I love J. Jeff, who doesn't? I actually love Deontay Johnson. I think he's gonna, he's gonna really have a much improved season, and not just from, um, from positive touchdown regression. I think overall that offense is improves, and I think he's the receiver to have on that team. Um, D Hop, I'm a little concerned about, but he's your third wide receiver. Uh, Rondale, I don't really, I wouldn't even probably even roster him really in this league. And uh, and Jonathan Mingo, who knows, right? Like he's a rookie. Um, and there's indications that he could be the wide receiver one there, and you know, be uh, 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 you know, uh, athletic and physical, and and be an intermediate target with the occasional, you know, going up the seam for for Bryce Young. And then there's indications that. You know, he's going to he's he's a rookie on a bad offense. And, you know, Bryce Young would rather throw to uh, Hayden Hurst and uh, and and Adam Thielen. So, you know, I'm looking at like the back end of your running backs and wide receivers. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, and I just, you know, I, I don't like it. Uh, Andrew's obviously great tight end. Ferg Daddy as a backup is is not bad either. Um, you know, you know, he could he, he's going to probably have at least a split of the tight end duties there throughout the year. but. It's your second tight end, so why am I even talking about it? So uh, I would I would just look to improve your depth, really. You know, I I want that running back room and that wide receiver room to to be a little better on the back end. Yeah, yeah one thing you mentioned that I just wanted to just kind of reiterate is you know you mentioned having two running backs from the same team. It especially becomes important when you're limited on your running backs when you can't just have unlimited running backs on your bench. The fact that you have two of them from the same team uh, and neither one of them right now are actually starters. Uh, it, it doesn't make any sense to me to have that. So I, I, I agree. I think I'd go find somebody else. You know, Wilson's on IR. Maybe he's the one you move to get another running back. One of the guys you mentioned earlier, I'd prefer any of those guys uh, over rostering both Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. So, so good point on that. Oh, I do wonder, is there an opportunity week one to play Mostert? They're playing the Chargers. It's been notoriously a bad run defense the last few years. Ken Walker goes up against the Rams. And if you, if Brian's correct and, and uh, Charbonnet eats into his work that could limit him. It also be, he's still dealing with that groin injury. So I think there might be an opportunity to play most of week one and take advantage of that while he's healthy. Cause if, if Brian's right and he gets hurt again, mm-hmm. you're not going to have access to him later in the season. So while he's there now, uh, just uh, yeah, play him with Wilson out and then see how it goes from there. Maybe Walker comes back and makes you feel confident starting him. But yeah, I, I would consider starting Jacobs most of week one. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, to the point of, of Rondell Moore, I, I agree with you, Brian. I think 
this team needs to be patient with Jonathan Mingo as not only he's developing, but his quarterback is developing in the NFL. If you need to drop a receiver, it's definitely going to be Rondale. Uh, probably don't want to play Mingo until he shows it, but be willing, I'd be willing to hold him until that happens. Yeah, good call. Jake Ferguson, I think Mark Andrews' bye week is week 13. So essentially this team has 13 weeks to figure out, is Jake Ferguson the player he wants to play in week 13? Or is it someone else? And then that's really all you're worried about, unless, of course, Andrews gets hurt. But right. from a starting perspective, you're never benching Mark Andrews. Agreed. All right, number six. Number six. Number 16, uh, fairly flat with the rankings here as well. Ranked as high as five, as low as seven. It is the Salty Dogs. Kyle, take it away. Yeah, so uh, looking at this team, uh, I see uh, actually just like the last team, a five and five split, which uh, I wonder if that's influenced our rankings to have them a little bit higher as well, um, that running back depth. Although, again, like I mentioned, I was really looking at starting lineups that didn't necessarily enter into much for me i guess i do like alexander madison I, th- I think he'll be able to handle close to a big workload and maybe not be overly efficient but i think he'll certainly get the volume this year to warrant being a starter maybe don't love him as an rb1 but i also think based purely on volume he should get the, the requisite touches that your rb should uh, get and i would say that i guess that's especially important when I, I suppose the anchor of this team really are the receivers the pass catchers i should say A.J. Brown and Travis Kelsey. That's really where the, the team is anchored. So if your RB1 isn't quite up to par as other teams' RB1, I think that's fine because the Salty Dogs will have an advantage every week head-to-head against tight end. And frankly, having Justin Herbert as well. Uh, I was going to say, there's a lot of uh, AFC West pass catching going on here. Herbert, Cortland Sutton, Travis Kelsey. So in those cross-divisional games, is there extra upside? I'm not sure. But at the very least, it seems like that they're, if the, uh, you know, there's two starting running backs are maybe a little weaker than other teams, too. I also make up for that in other positions, but I also think that the depth is decent. Okay, maybe Zamir White looks like he... I'm not sure what he's going to be. He really didn't do much of anything last year. Maybe that, this, that changes this year, and he really is the main backup behind Jacobs. But having Dobbins, Madison, Dalvin Cook, and Jerick McKinnon does give four running backs that you feel like you can at least throw them in there. Hope for RB2 numbers from all of them, and, and again, hope that if, if you know... If you can, Capture two top 30 running backs every week. The rest of your position, specifically A.J. Brown and Kelsey and Herbert, like really those three should be able to elevate the rest of the team enough. Uh, but I guess beside A.J. Brown, I don't love the rest of the wide receiver. I was almost going to say wide receiver room. Right? The rest <laughs> of the wide receiver group, um, even though it almost sounds like room, um, almost all the same letters. But yeah, Ridley, I'm, I'm hesitant on Ridley. I... I disagree a little bit with Brian on the lowering of Christian Kirk because I just keep raising him. I, I have him, I think, as wide receiver 20 in my redraft rankings. I expect he's still the number one receiver on that team, at least as the safest floor. I, I think there's a lot of risk. With Ridley could be a lot of upside too, but I also think there's a ton of downside that based on his draft price, people see much. Every draft I'm in, I'm taking Kirk several rounds later, and I'd much rather make that investment. So I'm much lower on consensus uh, on Ridley than a lot of people. And I guess Cortland Sutton has good news with the Jerry Judy injury. Maybe he ends up leading that team in targets this year. Uh, but I think there is, again, it's one of those situations. They've got uh, that and Russell Wilson stacked, right? And it's hey, Herbert's bye week or if Herbert ends up in a really tough matchup, do you throw in, throw in Wilson and then it's already stacked with Cortland Sutton? You don't have to rely on Russell Wilson and rely on that stack every week. So 
there's some good things there. And frankly, Dalton Schultz might be better than most te- some teams starting tight ends. So I think Brian mentioned that with the Goddard Friermuth team. This could also be a team where you, you want to try and move on Dalton Schultz, especially if he's getting a lot of targets early from a rookie quarterback. Something to move off of tier down at tight end to up tier at another position, maybe get a, a better wide receiver three or even wide receiver two on that. Because uh, Michael Gallup might emerge, might reemerge. Uh, you're now he'll be like a year and a half removed from his ACL tear. Uh, maybe he's got a much better season. Maybe he's the number two on that team. That might step in. I don't know about Jamison Williams, especially on, on such a shallow team. You've got to hold him for six weeks and he's suspended. So I, I doubt you can put him on injured reserve. I think if you've got to cut somebody to pick up someone else, he's got to be the first cut. Uh, I don't know what he's going to look like if week seven, he's coming in immediately producing or if he's going to take time, but I don't necessarily want him on such a shallow team. To wait by. Yeah. I read something today and I didn't know uh, the reason behind it, but he can't even be with the team for the first four weeks. So it's not even that he's suspended the first four weeks. He can't even be with the team. He's going to be away from the team. So that, that hurts his development right there. You know, not being able to be with the team for those first four weeks. I'm not sure what the reason is. Uh, I didn't. Well, I think it's just part of the suspension, right? Like you, you, I think unless you have a season long suspension, you're allowed to be in training camp, but then. But why is this the first four weeks? Why does he get the last two weeks? Was he on the pup list also potentially? It may like it's 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 both because I know the pup list is usually four weeks, and he was dealing with an injury because he wasn't he was barely in training camp because of this injury. So I think, he's, I think it's a question of like they're saying, all right, we'll give you two weeks to ramp up and start practicing before you you know we're allowed you to come take back. The field. Player safety issue, okay. but but before that, you know, you know, screw off or whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wonder enough. if I guess on six game suspensions they allow that. Uh, Maybe on a four-game suspension, it's only one week. It's, like, scaled to depending on what the suspension yeah. is. Because I don't know if, like, Kamara, as far as I know, he can't be with the team. Miss him. Yeah, that's a good call. He's not, he's, again, someone I, I don't, like, do you guys agree with me? Like, I know there's upside with him potentially, but I, I don't really want to hold him. In yeah, no, I, I don't think, he's, we, we haven't seen enough before. Like, if we had seen him be big last year and have a huge season, we think, oh, he can come back and do that again. We've never even seen it happen yet. So I, I'd be a little hesitant holding on to him for six weeks, not even knowing what we're going to get once he comes back. Don't love that he went 80% of his games last year without a catch. <laughs> yeah, it's not a, not a good thing, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, as far as your analysis, yeah, everything I, I, I you said there I agree with. You know, this team, to me, when I look at it, it it's sort of flat across the board. There's you know Outside of Travis Kelsey, I don't know if there's anybody that I'm truly like. Well, I guess Justin Herbert, too, but you know, quarterbacks I almost ignore in the one-quarterback league. Um, but other than that, you know, it's a fairly flat team across the board. Um, Travis Kelsey really has to have a season like he did last year or the year before to, to really uh, carry this team. So I, you know, I had him ranked, I believe, number I had him seven, I believe, uh, a little bit lower than y'all. But uh, it does have some some potential and there's some things that can be done to make this team pretty good. So, I, you know, I could see the, the some of the things like the Madison. I'm not as high on Madison as you are. I do think he gets the volume, so volume is king in fantasy. I just don't think it's going to be very efficient volume and very. Uh, he won't have those huge games that we hope that we get from our running backs occasionally. Um, so that's you know kind of was a little bit more down on him. Anything you want to mention, Brian, before we move on to the next one? No, I think I think you, you got it well covered. Yeah, yeah, well right. good. Let's get to number five. Number five. Number five team ranked as high as four and as low as seven. It's probably the most disparity we've had on any of these teams so far. Uh, it is team Chuck Norris. Brian, this is your team. 
Yeah, do you all remember those Chuck Norris jokes like yes. from years ago? Uh, yeah, when I, when I when I saw the team name, it, it reminded me of those. Like, uh, I'm, and I and so I just googled. There's like 101 Chuck yeah. Norris. My, Chuck Norris can Chuck make Norris doesn't even have proud. to draft his fantasy team to win. <laughs> yeah. Chuck My, Norris already won your league. And, and, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so. You know, I guess I'm the low person on this. I, I, I ranked him at seven. I think the overall starters are good, but I think there's some question marks there, and I think that there's some fragile running backs as well. Uh, I think there's, there's solid bench running backs, though, and pretty good bench-wide receivers. Um, so it's just a matter of sometimes when, when we have the middle of those rankings, it, like the mid-tier in these leagues, sometimes it's like, you know, it, it's six, seven, eight. You know, okay, they, you know, I have them one way, somebody has them another. Uh, you, you know, it hurts, obviously elite Stafford. There's concerns there at QB two. You know, I think he can produce if cups healthy and, you know, and target Higby and, you know, Van Jefferson and some other folks contribute, but, you know, obviously concerns there with age and injury and no cup and, and et cetera. You know, Derek Henry, you know, obviously great in, in, in redraft. And maybe this is my dynasty brain leaking in, but, um, I think they're going to, because their window is closing. Um, I think what they're going to do is want to preserve Henry for late in the season and the playoffs. And, and so starting early in the year, I think they're going to spell him more with Spears because Spears really showed out in the preseason. So I think the overall touch count uh, and, and the fact that he's not super useful in PBR, you know, uh, has me a little concerned. Uh, similar with Connor, like he's going to eat like, you know, they could run him into the ground because he's, in a contract year and, and the offense is terrible. And, and so, you know, they're, they're just going to keep, keep feeding them, but you know, he is, he is 28 has a history of, of, you know, getting dinged up. He had like that one year where he took me to the t- conference finals and Scott fish bowl 11. But like, other than that, like, you know, you know, it's, it's very mixed as far as that goes. You have spears who I love, but you're violating the rule of handcuffing your own, your own, uh, running back uh chain you know he's got upside he uh you know i think he's gonna have a few fun weeks but i don't i don't think he's gonna consistently get touches penny i like uh probably more than some other people i think he's explosive when he's on the field there is the injury history there also is you know word from eagles camp that he's kind of the you know low man there that um you know, it's going to be more of Gainwell and Swift because they have more well-rounded skill sets and, and it's not going to be much penny. Who knows? I think he's going to be the early down guy and be explosive. But, uh, you know, your wide receivers, DK Herc, Hollywood, Evans, and Tony, you know, the back end of that, I don't love. Um, Evans, he's on a bad offense and, and uh, you know, he's, he's a little injured. He's got those contract talks. If he gets traded somewhere, though, that, that could be interesting. Tony, I'm pretty much out on for the most part. He could prove me wrong. I like Hollywood more than most people, but like I said, that offense is going to be a dumpster fire. Uh, Kirk, I like a lot. Uh, I know I said I did ding him a little bit, but I am still lower on Ridley than most people and probably still higher on Kirk than most people. DK is interesting, right? Because like, I don't really consider him like a wide receiver one. I would want him as my wide receiver two. But when you look at the percentage of um, like end zone targets that he's had, Right, like, and and how especially last year that didn't turn into the expected touchdowns that we thought it would. Like, he could have a monster year this year. Uh, and then you know your tight ends are pretty good. I think Higby's can be a target hog, especially with with um 
with Cup out and even with Cup back, there's not much else there. Uh, Hawkinson, I'm lower on than most people, but you know, in a non-tight end premium league, which you know, like he's he's a fine he's a fine tight end one. Um, so I just think there's enough question marks and fragility in in the running backs and uh, enough weakness in the wide receivers that I'm not elevating this team into like you know the the top five or so. So yeah, but you know. Fun Chuck Norris jokes flashback. <laughs> yeah, I, I had this team at four, so I did have him in my in my top five, and you know, a couple of reasons you know that I differ with you on on Brian. One of them being DK Metcalf is I do think he is a receiver one, and I do think that there is some some uh, a little bit of flukiness over his last season. I mean, he w- led the league last year in percent of red zone targets to his team. He had like forty percent plus. No other receiver had over 40%. They were all 39, you know, 39, 38 and below. So I think that some of that's going to kind of uh, come back. He's going to get more touchdowns this year. And and in a one quarterback league, um, typically I'm, you know, not really counting the quarterback, but there are three quarterbacks I think that can make a difference. And it's Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, those three. Yeah, can that's true. I should have probably accounted for that more. That's a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, we saw it a lot last year in DFS, especially where, you know, DFS, I was always a pay down at quarterback kind of guy until last year where those kind of guys would could win you a week. Uh, and Hurts is one of those difference makers. So that's why I had him a little bit higher than, than, than Brian had him. Anything you wanted to chime in with, Kyle? I wouldn't say this seems like one of the teams with better depth so far. Like, who would you cut off this team to? Like, I guess the, to Brian's point, maybe you want to avoid the handcuff and make it Spears, but he also seems like he's too good a player to cut. He might have some standalone value. Like, he's not just a pure handcuff for Henry. So I would say top to bottom, probably one of the better, maybe the best depth team we've seen up to this point. Fair point. Yeah, I agree. I think Spears, Spears of the cuttable players and all the teams that we've looked at, Spears would be the one hardest one to cut. I think that's a good point because he could have a pass catching role. You know, we've said it in the past with Derrick Henry running backs, the backups that, oh, he's going to be the pass catcher. And then they don't catch a pass the whole season. But Spears looks like he's a, a pretty good one. So that's that's a good call. All right. Number four. Number four. Number four team, uh, pretty big disparity here. We have uh, ranked as high as one and as low as five. It is uh, Los uh, Gatos de la Costa. And Kyle, this is your squad, and you had them at one. Yeah, Las Costas, la, Las Gas, yeah, Gat, Gatos. I don't know what that means. Something cats. from the coast. You know what that means, Brian? Cats. Gatos is oh. cats. Yeah. Cats, cats. coast. Yeah. That sounds. That actually sounds better in English. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, coasting along here. So the, I rank them number one. And again, I talked about transparency of why touchdowns in the starting lineup. And there's really three players that carry this team's total above everyone else. Joe Burrow, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley. I look through and this is the only team with both running backs I have projected, both starting running backs I have projected. Oh, the Shore Cats. The Coast Cats sounds better. That's what this team is. <laughs> I'm going to forever stick with that. Uh, but yeah, uh, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, the only two running back duo that have double-digit touchdowns, uh, I think, of anyone, not just the teams we've mentioned so far, but everyone. So, so that was, when I saw that, I thought one of my favorite running back rooms, I think Isaiah Pacheco, great RB3, especially if what we saw last year, he does take over as the main Chiefs back. He could get a lot of carries this year. A.J. Dillon, we know what his role is. He's probably going to get like 180 rushing attempts, maybe figure in the passing game. That might, the touchdowns might be low because that whole team's touchdowns might be low, but as an RB4, I think that's fine. And then Elijah Mitchell, McCaffrey ever gets hurt, that's a great opportunity. 
But until he does, I don't know how much he's going to get standalone, but he's the RB5. So probably my favorite running back group we've talked about so far. I'm super high on Nick Chubb this year. I've got him ranked as my RB3 in, uh, even in, in, well, that's in half PPR. I think even in full PPR, it's still probably, I don't think I'd lower him because that, I think the guys just below my rankings are also not so much pass catchers like a Derrick Henry, like a Tony Pollard. They haven't shown the like massive receiving seasons. Uh, so I'm yeah, pretty confident in Nick Chubb. Actually, if, if they were to raise anyone ahead of Nick Chubb in a full PPR, it'd probably be Saquon, and this team has them too. So uh, great great duo there. I'm a little concerned at wide receiver. I, I like Amari Cooper as a, as a top 15 option this year. Again, but both on the Browns does potentially limit that upside a little, I suppose. Uh, Mike Williams could be great. Adam Thielen might lead the Panthers in targets. Like we talked about the uncertainty there. That might be someone, especially early on, is relied upon. So somebody be... And there may not be a choice but to start them early with McLaurin and Judy injured. If those guys are healthy, maybe the team is better. But I will say, I think uh, Burrow, just because I have Burrow with the second most touchdowns in the league, that really did kind of carry this ahead. We'll say, though, with such a shallow league, back to my original point I made all the way back at the start, I am kind of putting more of an emphasis on QB than I would normally in a one QB just because of how shallow it is. Uh, but yeah, really, that, that maybe, I don't know if that, just that top three blinded me, but seeing Burrow, Chubb, Barkley on one team, Again, having that be the team with the most touchdowns in of the starting lineup. Um, Kincaid Irv Smith. That's that's interesting because Irv Smith gives a good starting option or stacking option with Burrow early on while you're waiting for Kincaid to develop. But if it becomes apparent that Irv Smith isn't getting targets, he's also someone that you might potentially be willing to cut for another tight end. Talked about that earlier. But I'd probably go into week one starting Irv Smith against the Browns. I just don't, I don't know yet if Kincaid is going to get more targets than Dawson Knox. I'd rather wait and see a week. The Jets defense is good enough as well that I don't necessarily want to throw Kincaid out there in his first game against them. So I would, I would probably start Irv Smith week one, start right away with that Burrow uh, Irv Smith stack and see what, what it does against the Browns. If not, if Kincaid really is the better option, then yeah, go from week two on that way. But I would at least start with her or at least consider it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the Kincaid Irv Smith thing because Irv Smith, you know, we all know my love for Irv Smith. Uh, it's kind of waned a little bit because he can't stay healthy and stay on the field. But uh, I, I agree there. Kincaid, you know, we do it every year. We fall in love with these tight ends. They look good in, in preseason and they're doing all this stuff. And then the real games start and they struggle. And, you know, Kincaid could fall into that 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 trap. You know, we've seen it many times before. I mean, even the great ones struggle in their first season. So that's a that's a good call there. Um, that combination of Barkley and Chubb, it's, that's a pretty good combination to have. I, I agree there a hundred percent. So, um, I couldn't quite put them at one though, but, um, I see where you could definitely move them into one. The McLaurin injury is going to hurt a little bit as well as Judy. Those, those are two things that, um, could hurt them early on in the season. Um, anything you, uh, anything you see here, Brian? Uh, just to explain how I came with, you know, ranking them number four, as opposed to, to number one. Uh, I, you know, when you look at the TMC injury and when you look at the Jerry Judy injury, um, turf toe can be really annoying and linger. And even when they're back on the field, it's just, they're, they're just not a hundred percent for like months. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I love Kincaid, you know, uh, I think he and some other 2023 tight ends are going to break the, the spell of rookie, of rookie tight ends, you know, but at the same time, one of the reasons why. A lot of these teams love these tight ends now is because they want multiple ways to beat the defense. And if they run into a week where running certain personnel 
that doesn't involve using a lot of Kincaid is going to be the is going to be what wins. That's what they're that's what they're that's what they're going to do. Uh, and also, uh, I I don't like Pacheco. Uh, Adam Thielen could be the guy there. He could be completely irrelevant. Uh, AJ Dillon, I don't like really much uh, this year. So uh, you know, just a, a, a and and you know, as far as like, I want I want a better wide receiver one than than Amari Cooper. He's not bad, but I would want a better wide. So like, just collectively, just enough little dings that it's just like, you know, I I didn't I didn't like them as much. Yeah. I think I've got him ranked really close to DK. So the fact that you, like you would have that same sentiment for both makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, good call. And yeah, Doc says uh, he concurs on Coast Cats. So Coast Cats, make that change. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get to the number three team. Number three. Number three ranked as high as two and as low as three. And this is the Doc's team at number three, the Black Skulls. Brian, this is your team. All right. Um, so I, I had them ranked number two. I think you have a good starters overall. You've got Mahomes and some very good wide receivers. Uh, not great tight ends, but I think good enough. Uh, yeah, you have a pretty good bench uh, and running backs and wide receivers. Really, the, the thing that I would do with this team is get rid of Kyler as your QB2. Um, this, you know, in, in a redraft league where it's entirely possible that Kyler misses at least six weeks, if not is shut down for the entire year, I don't need him as my, as my QB2. So I would be interested to see what I could do in a trade or, you know, or what QBs are, are on the waiver wire because why pay for you know, a QB two in a, in a, in a one QB re- redraft league. So, um, you know, Kamara after the three games, I think he's going to be undervalued and he's going to, he's going to do well, you know, but he is a 28 year old running back. So I think, you know, he's, I would like to have a better running back one there. Monty, I think also underrated and undervalued this year. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the lions do because uh, what we have is, uh, you know, they essentially traded in two running backs for two running backs they like better, but two running backs who have more well-rounded skill sets, right? So, like, Gibbs is a better rusher than Swift was, and Monty's a better receiver than, than Jamal Williams was. So it really is going to be interesting to see how the usage and snaps uh, turn out. You violate the rule of having a, a handcuff for your own running back with Jamal Williams. He might be the type of guy who just switched him for somebody else's handcuff, you know, uh, maybe, you know, work a, some trade around Jamal Williams and Spears with that other team. Uh, Gibson, I think undervalued this year, Charb, you know, uh, you know, I love Charb. So while that, so while the top end of your running back group isn't great, I, I really think it's got a good, a good bottom. end. so, so doc, I like your bottom. Uh, and <laughs> you know, you can't do much better than Jamar chase and Devonte Smith as your top two wide receivers. Uh, London, the passing volume might not be great in Atlanta, but like him and Pitts are basically going to split like 50% of the targets. Uh, and so he's a, he's a good third wide receiver. Watson's a big upside fourth wide receiver and, you know, Bateman, um, you know, he may be overshadowed by flowers this year. He may not, but I think that offense is, is arrow up. So, I mean, when I'm looking at Bateman as my one, two, three, four, fifth wide receiver, I'm fine with that. You know, uh, Ingram. I'm a little concerned about, you know, he, he carried a lot of his points in, in you know, a, a few spike weeks late in the year. They do add Ridley. Um, I might want a better tight end one. I think Everett could have some sneaky upside there, uh, you know, attached to Herbert. 
I, I just think it's a really solid team. You know, the what I would do is swap out Jamal Williams, uh, swap out Kyler, and maybe see what I can do with like moving the back end of my receivers that are really like Watson and Bateman as your four and five. What can you do with them in a trade to make like Kamara or Monty an improvement bump up off of one of those guys, you know, or bump Engram up, you know, to a better tight end. So, but yeah, really, really, really solid team. Uh, good, good job, Doc. Let me ask you, you are you, would, are you, to, sorry, Jeff, go ahead, I want to ask a question about that trade idea, like trying to go up from Kamara. You think it makes sense to wait until he's about to come back from suspension. And like in that instance, I think I'd be cool riding both saints receivers play Jamal Williams, these few weeks where he's going to start. Then just as he's about to, to yeah, Kamara's yeah. about to come back, flip Kamara then. Yeah, Kamara Bateman yeah. to get a worse wide receiver and upgrade at running back. I'm certain yeah, you, do you, that. And you, then, don't, you don't need to worry about upgrading. You, you can't really upgrade, move Kamara until he's back after those three games. And you don't have to worry about the, violating the handcuff rule until he's back with those three games. So, yeah. Yeah, um, that was my exact question, Kyle. So we're in the same wavelength okay. there. So good, good stuff. And actually, earlier, just to point out, Evan Ingram, he's probably the player I'm kind of selling myself on I'm more worried about than Zay Jones, than Christian Kirk losing targets. It's Evan Ingram. Those two were ahead of Ingram last year. So I have a hard time seeing one of them fall below Ingram this year. So if Ridley's just coming in, because like Marvin Jones had, I think, like 80, 80-something targets. I imagine Ridley gets more than that. So if that more comes somewhere, I'm starting to think it comes at the expense of Evan Ingram. Yeah, absolutely, and and he has one of the quarterbacks I mentioned, you know, on the last quarterbacks that that is one of the difference makers. Patrick Mahomes in a one quarterback league is a difference making quarterback. He can he can uh, cover up a lot of uh, of of blemishes throughout the season. So um, a week ten by does give the time. Like I I do agree with Brian. Like yeah, if Murray isn't starting games by week ten, yeah, cut him then. But I also think. There's no need to necessarily rush to do that. You can wait and see like what the quarterback landscape looks like. Maybe week seven, week eight, you, like you can understand that point with the good matchups to target and really look specifically what quarterback do I want to pick up specifically for week 10? Because maybe by that point, Kyler is back and you have some flexibility. So I wouldn't rush to drop him either. But it, again, if it's getting to week eight, week nine, and he still isn't on the field, then yeah, at that point, drop him as, you're, as you, you have the information ready for that week 10 buy. Because again, Never benching Mahomes, so there's no need. I don't. I think with an earlier buy, this would be scarier. But I think the Kyler Murray teams that have him as a backup benefit most from having a quarterback on a late buy. Like if this was, I think Jalen Hurts is a week seven buy. That would not be the kind of guy I'd want. But week ten, late enough. I think ideally you'd want. I think Josh Allen's week thirteen. So like that would be the ideal scenario to have Josh Allen with Kyler Murray because by that point, upside. But week ten's late enough that. I would I would hold Murray for now. I yeah. don't know that you're going to get a better high upside option on the waiver wire. And we're really looking for high upside one week option. And uh, one thing I will say too, I th- I think if I if I remember correctly, you have to have two, two quarterbacks. You know, we see a lot of times in the one quarterback leagues where guys only carry one quarterback, but the fact that every single team is going to have two quarterbacks, uh, it doesn't leave much in the waiver wire to go pick up. Like right now, the best quarterback available is Sam Howell. Um, so holding Kyler Murray, I think is a better upside move um, than going honestly, to grab some- I, I, I would grab Howell and drop Kyler like tonight. The problem there is, is Howell starting in week 10. Like, I think, 
at this point, there's just as much chance Murray's going to start that game as Howell starts that. Mm, okay. I just, I just think you can't, you can't have three quarterbacks. You can only have two. So I think the waiver wire will be the same in Week Ten as it is right now. Whether and maybe it's not Sam Howell, maybe it's another quarterback that's there. But I think Curry's upside, or, sorry, Murray's upside gives you the, uh, the the advantage there. I think. I suppose if Howell gets benched, you could probably pick up Jacoby Brissett then. So yeah. All right, let's get to number two. Number two. Number two team, uh, similar to the last team, was ranked as high as two and as low as three, and it is Princeton Street Bullies. Kyle, this is your squad. To be honest, before Doc revealed which team was his, I, I kind of thought this might be his. Uh, I guess, I don't know, I associate Princeton with House, the, the show House MD, because I believe that's where it was based in the show universe. Uh, New Jersey, Doctor. I would argue our, our Doc's a little... Uh, Friendlier than, than the doctor in the show. Uh, but yeah, it turns out this isn't his team, but we still ranked it highly anyway. Um, but yeah, again, elite difference makers at quarterback, it tends to change things in my rankings more than it would in a normal one league. But yeah, Lamar Jackson, I expect a, a good season. Um, I'm, I'm higher on Aaron Jones than consensus by a lot because I, I have reached on him a lot in redraft leagues and I feel like I'm not reaching at all. Like this is where I take it. This is where my rankings say and, and I've, I've played the ADP game with him in other leagues, and I've been surprised how late I can wait for him to go. Uh, I believe I've got him ranked at like running back eight or nine in my half PPR rankings. And in a full PPR format, I would, believe, I would expect that only would go up as opposed to down. So I'm super high on Aaron Jones. So that, that's a one factor. Um, Brian, like you were talking with the last team, maybe a better RB1 than Kamara. Would you agree with me that Aaron Jones is that upgraded RB1, or is he? would you look even further than I mean, I, I would shoot higher, but he is an, he is an upgrade, yeah. Uh, and I guess the one thing about this team, only four running backs. Again, you, I'd prefer the 5-to-5 the five five mix. Um, tough to know who to cut. Darnell Mooney or Isaiah Hodgins are the bottom two receivers. Because uh, Devontae Adams and Lamb, you're starting them every week. And frankly, uh, oh yeah, four wide receiver in the first five rounds. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Ahmed uh, Sanders. Classic Dynasty Gambit episodes. Uh, <laughs> heck, even before I was on, that, that's how classic it was. Oh, yeah. Adams, Lamb, and then Debo. I, 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 here's another problem. Though. We've seen this a few teams. The, the two pass-catching or two wide receiver running back options on the same team, Debo and Kittle being on the same team, I know. Uh, maybe in my analysis, I should have... If I, like, I don't know, maybe it's the bias for Doc. I think I might have changed my rankings and put... Black Skulls two in this team at one. The more I, I look into it, just you know, Mahomes over Lamar, um, Chase over Adams. So sorry, Doc, I, I kind of messed up. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Kittle and Njoku. I do wonder it, as a way to get out from that Kittle Debo problem. Is Kittle a really good option because people do view him? I mean, I, I have him as tight end four uh, in redraft find someone else in the league who values him like that. Maybe that's a good flip option tear down at tight end and, and then play the matchups between Njoku and whoever that other tight end is. And maybe that's a way to get an extra running back or a better running back. Like maybe can you upgrade at RB two on Swift or upgrade at RB three on Khalil Herbert. So I might, I might consider options like that, but uh, super solid team. Again, there's, there's not really a one obvious guy to drop. Maybe Isaiah Hodgins, Darnell Mooney, but he also might want to wait to see like is Darnell Mooney, the clear third, or maybe even fourth pass catching option in Chicago, a low volume passing team like that. I wouldn't want to be the fourth option. That would make him an easy cut. 
But if he's second on the team behind DJ Moore, he might end up having some valuable starting time. Maybe Kittle can't be moved. Maybe Debo's actually easier to trade. So that'll that'll come down to like the league price and what the league dictates. I would consider moving. I guess the one thing is you have Brock Purdy, right? So if you're ever going to start Purdy, you've got like two options for him to throw touchdowns to that you get stacks on. But that, that's also probably only one week in the season. Considering Lamar Jackson's there, he's got such a high floor that. Like, even in a bad matchup, you still want to play him. I could see some other quarterbacks. Okay, this matchup, I kind of want to avoid or, or knock him down. But it's, it's tough to view a bad matchup with Lamar, especially if the passing volume opens up. If teams really want to stop him running, he might just be able to exploit things through the air. If teams play shell defense against him, he's just going to run against that all day. So uh, he's not someone you're ever benching. So the, but that one week you play Purdy, you hope that like, I mean, you're obviously going to start always Ebo and Kittle. And that's like kind of extra way for that. but. Yeah, I think I would consider trying to trade one of the two for you. Pass catchers. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there as well. And it it probably is Debo. I mean, Debo has, you know, the upside there. I think Kittle, everybody's afraid of his injury. And you already see that little uh, red little plus mark next to his name already with the injury. So uh, he's yeah. always sort of a, a shaky situation. I know Debo has some injuries as well, but he's currently healthy and of course, we get the quote-unquote off-season stuff where I'm in the best shape of my life, and he's sending pictures to Shanahan of him, you know, working out and how crazy he looks. But uh, Debo will be the one I think you could probably move and get an upgrade at, at Swift at the RB two position, at least in my opinion. And you know, and I don't know how many leagues the people in these in this league play, but for me, I want Debo in leagues where there's points per carry. Those are the leagues where I want to roster him. If there's no points per carry and no points per rushing attempt at all. That's not, I feel like you're not getting as much of an edge with him. Find the PPC leagues still isn't as highly valued. Like he's still highly valued kind of across the board in every league, but I feel like those point per carry leagues are where I really want to have him and the leagues where it's not, I'd rather trade him away. Yeah. Now I will say he's got him at receiver three. Um, so I don't, I don't hate it there. Uh, I'm actually higher on Brandon Ayuk than I am Debo Samuel this year, but I think, you know, when you got Adams and CD Lamb already, having him as your receiver three is not a, not a bad option to have for sure. It's all the touchdown upside, right? That's kind of boomer bust, which kind of like for your wide receiver three is potential of having that. Those Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 even, even if it's not full PPR, like half PPR, I prefer Debo because you're not as reliant on him catching passes as you are just gaining yards and getting touchdown. Yeah. yeah. Full PPR, no points per carry. It's kind of the, the format I don't want. Either. Yeah, fair point. All right. But to your point, Jeff, people right. might still value him enough even in the formats. That, that might actually be the trade move now, now that you've, I thought that that probably is the way. All right, let's get to team number one. Number one. Number one. All right, the number one team, if you haven't already figured it out, is Bills Mafia, and it was ranked uh, as high as one and as low as four. Both me and Brian had him at one. Kyle had him at four. And uh, Brian, this is your squad. Go ahead and go ahead and talk about them. Yeah, it, it pains me to rank them number one. Not only did I grow up a Jets fan, I mean, I don't really care about actual football these days, but I, I grew up a, a, a Jets fan, so I don't like the Bills much. <laughs> uh, although I kind of feel bad for the whole four Super Bowl thing, you know, like, um, and also, like, grow up, get a dome on that, and stop jumping on tables. Like, stop. <laughs> okay. Um, Anyway, uh, so very good starters. Um, speaking of Bills, you know, there's an Allen Diggs uh, stack there, which, you know, I think matters less in, uh, you know, outside of DFS and, and best ball. But, you know, it, it, it can help. Um, I think 
you know, your, your RB two is, is, I mean, uh, your quarterback two is, is kind of like the perfect quarterback two in, in this kind of league, right? Because huge fantasy breaking upside. And in a one QB league, you want difference makers and you might have two difference makers. And what that does for you is a couple of things. One, like, you know, if Allen gets hurt or whatever, you know, that, you know, then you have somebody or two, you have a, you have a, you have a trade chip. And you know what, if he doesn't work out, um, it's, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter because it's a one QB league. So you go get Sam Howell or whoever else on, on the waiver wire. If it really looks like Richardson sucks this year, you know, um, I think you have a pretty good bench, you know, as well. So not bad there. Um, I, I would turn a running a wide receiver into a running back on this team. And I would want to also maybe tweak tight end right that's kind of the only things i would do here um you know for running back with Mixon, pierce james cook and b-rob not a huge james cook fan not a huge b-rob fan they're good enough for for running back three and four i think you know pierce there's some buzz that he could be a three down guy he's gonna have a monster 2023 so you could end up with some pretty good running backs there you know i'm on Raz, your wide receiver too congratulations you know, DJ Moore is a very good wide receiver three. I would, you know, I don't, you know, after that, it's, you know, a little uh, OBJ, Sky Moore and Burks. I love Burks, huge upside there. Um, Sky Moore, you know, we, we hear, you know, that uh, he was learning a lot last year, you know, coming from small school into an Andy Reid offense and they taught him all three wide receiver positions. So it's almost like he redshirted last year. We hear, you know, especially if Tony's not the guy that, that Sky Moore is gonna gonna really you know step up this year and, and have a have a role. OBJ, listen, you know, there's people who say he could be like you know the best wide receiver on the team this year, and there's people who don't want anything to do with them. But you know, either way, I would I would turn one of those wide receivers into a running back, and I, I I would like you to address tight end as much as Dulcich has big upside and had good route participation with, you know on Russ's dropbacks last year. You know, we're hearing about. You know, Peyton not loving him as much. Peyton bringing in Troutman. Peyton wanting to run 12, you know, with Troutman and uh, Manhurts who can block and that sort of stuff. So, you know, uh, there, I, I would probably want a better tight end one. But, you know, it's not a tight end premium, so it's not, it's not the, the worst thing in the world. Um, Taysom, I hate Taysom Hill. We were talking about him the other night. Mm-hmm. Like, but he just, he lingers and he scores touchdowns. And he's so annoying. Um, you know, but I think... His short yardage and goal line packages might not be there this year because they have Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams. Uh, so, you know, I don't even think he's really that, that cheat code where you start a running back at tight end that can score touchdowns anymore. So I worry about your tight ends. But other than that, I just think you have a very, very well-rounded team. And, and I just, you know, would, would go five and five instead of the four and six and figure out somehow some, some way to do that. Yeah. Asim Hill, the running back. Playing tight end with a QB designation. <laughs> yes. I love it. I think he's finally lost his QB designation, thankfully, in most most of the formats that I've seen. So, um, Well, but still, it has a real-life NFL designation, though it seems like he's still a tight end or still a quarterback. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. That's such a weird situation. But it does seem like Derek Carr as a quarterback is less likely to come out as, like, Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. It yeah. seems like, like the whole Taysom Hill coming in really started when, like, Drew Brees injuries happen and oh, they're having to have Teddy Bridgewater in. Like, okay, let's incorporate him more. 
it feels like they've got their quarterback now where they're going to be less likely to just turn to Taysom Hill for several plays in a row. Agreed. Agreed. And I'll, I'll just kind of reiterate some of the things that, that um, Brian spoke on is, you know, the Sky Moore thing. I mean, he has the potential at least to be the number one receiver on that team. Now we know the receiver is Travis Kelsey. He's the number one, but as far as wide receiver goes, he could be the number one there. Kadarius Tony can't stay healthy. They've already kind of came out and said that uh, Rashi Rice, Justin Ross are going to be package guys. So having him as your receiver, what is that, four or five, um, is a nice thing to have. I've been scooping him up pretty much everywhere. I actually drafted him tonight in the 14th round in a redraft league and and, and was loving it. So that's good bench depth to have. Uh, you know, Damian Pierce, Brian Robinson being bench depth is also really nice to have. Brian mentioned having AR, uh, Anthony Richardson there as your quarterback too. Um, really high upside there. I mean, he's he can he can literally be you know a bust this year, or he could be you know he could have a Justin Fields type season in, in his first year. So um, those are all great players to have on your bench, which which is what propelled me to put them at number one. Um, Kyle, I'm curious. You you had him at four, so a little bit lower on them. What what did you see that you didn't like? Well, again, it was just the the overall touchdowns. And if I look at the because like we like so the top four teams in our consensus were the top four I had in my. In my touchdown totals and uh the top team uh i'm going to just refer to now as coast coastal cats they had 89 touchdowns this team at 86 so we're talking about three touchdowns separating four through one so it was super close but i think the one thing that changed between this team and the others was the tight end as brian referenced uh especially like compared to the last we talked about george kittle i've got him almost doubling up dulcich in touchdowns seven to four so that like all the other teams had elite quarterbacks. This team did too, but just the weaker of the tight ends. Fair point. Um, and uh, just to yeah, look at the uh, again the the potential triple stack in Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and James Cook. Like what Brian was saying earlier, like, does Allen Diggs having that stack does it really change much? Because you're already playing both of them every week. They're they're not necessarily someone. Oh, I'm the matchup's great. This is the week where I'll play both. But James Cook kind of provides that in the specific matchups where it might be really good to super high volume passing. They might be behind, so they'll want the pass catching back on and Cook more than Damian Harris or Latavius, whoever the early down plotter is. Those would be the matchups where you try and chase James Cook. I also just kind of quickly peeked, and it looks like Mixon and Pierce at the same bye week. So you definitely need James Cook on week seven. And other than that, trying to like pick the matchups, I suppose, with Pierce, right? Because Pierce would almost be the opposite. You want Matt, which those might be rare, but matchups where the Texans are favored because that will be likely where he gets the most <laughs> one uh, game. passing o- or rushing opportunities. Uh, but I guess back to Brian's point about Anthony Richardson, late bye week for the Bills. So that gives Richardson 12 weeks to kind of develop on the bench in a sense. And by week 13, he should kind of have it more figured out. You'd like that kind of the same point with Kyler Murray. You'd prefer to have that if that's going to be your backup, Richardson or Kyler Murray. You prefer to have the starter have as late a bye week as possible. Week 13 bye week for Josh Allen. I'm pretty sure that's as late as the it late gets. You can get. Or no, there's a couple of week 14 buys. Uh, but yeah, pretty late in the season then. So it, it's, it's a better situation to just kind of hold Richardson, even in through some bad games. Yeah, and there was one last thing I wanted to mention, and this guy is the guy that should be uh, pounding the table next year for this to happen is can we get a flex spot in this league? <laughs> I mean, I mean, this guy could have started uh, Damian Pierce, Brian Robinson, Traylon Burks, all those guys could be starting in a flex. Um, 
I I think this may be the first uh, league we've ever done PLP. We've been doing it for three years now that I can remember at least that didn't have a flex position. Um, so you know, just one last thing to mention in this league: go get a flex spot if you can. Um, I think that makes it a little bit more uh, interesting with with the positions the way you have them. You can play different players in that flex spot. So that's my last piece of advice there. And then it, uh, one extra starter, you're putting a little less emphasis on that top end quarterback, that that top end tight end, because it's you know one still just one deep at those positions where you're adding an extra starter entirely. Want to maybe minimize the impact of the quarterbacks? That would be the way to do it. Is less positions work. Fair point. Or more positions where you can't start. Too many double negatives. Not to be too <laughs> negative on this league. <laughs> All right, that wraps the podcast up. I, I want to thank the league. You know, they're in the chat. Uh, thank you for your purchase. Thank you, Doc. Uh, I know Doc's been waiting, you know, patiently for this one. This is the, the last <laughs> one of the year, but he's been actually waiting for, uh, it's been a couple years. I kept uh, having to skip Doc because we ran out of time at the end of the year. Uh, finally got him in on this last one here. So appreciate it, guys, once again. Uh, we'll go around the room, guys. Plug your Twitter handles and uh, anything that you're working on for the season. We'll go to you first, Brian. Yeah, FFJunkie underscore on the Twitter. Uh, you know, articles and rankings at goingfor2.com. Uh, uh, you know, Saturday night, Dynasty Saturday Night 5 on the Going For Two Live uh, YouTube channel, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Saturday nights. Uh, midweek, I do an audio-only Dynasty Fever podcast. Episodes usually drop uh, around thursday and yeah you know i'm around say hi i'm in like a million discords and stuff and <laughs> you should join the going for two discord definitely kyle what you got going on so yeah so uh monday night two-point conversion will be on every monday night before the monday night game usually an hour before talking uh underdog uh, contests for that monday night game but also recapping the action sunday preparing players for waiver wire and the episodes we can get Doc back on will probably mainly focus on injury announcements. Uh, players that have recently been hurt or, or hurt in the last appearance and just talking about timelines, expectations, when can we maybe see them back on the field, but certainly when can we expect them to be performing back at normal? Doc gives such great analysis on injuries, and he's got a great book out as well. I'm sure everyone in this league probably knows about it, but uh, injuries suck. Your fantasy team doesn't have to, and that read definitely doesn't suck. <laughs> Good stuff. Any, uh, and uh, all to say, Doc's really good at not just you know, the injuries themselves and the timelines for that, but reading through coach speak to kind of try and figure out more about the injuries than what the coaches are on the surface telling us. And I've, I've kind of learned some things from Doc, and I can kind of see th- some things now and some patterns and how coaches, medical staffs approach that. And uh, yeah, there's some clues to be gained there. So top of everything I do with going for two, I've got the full press fantasy pod, full press Packers pod. Those will be weekly. The full press Packers pod will be probably twice a week during the season recap game and then preview game for the next week. So kind of consistently churning out stuff. I'll have a couple articles, mainly the my rankings and then the goal line guide, which start probably around week five. It's a weekly predictor of, of touchdowns, rushing and passing for teams. There's a lot of goal line efficiency data, both offensive and defensive, and try and cross-reference that with the the Vegas lines for that week to try and figure out which teams and which situations will have the most touchdowns. Good stuff. All right, guys, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Lambert 77, and you can find me right here on this network uh, every Wednesday and Friday nights during the season. Wednesday, 9 30 PM is the armchair fantasy show uh, for your season long leagues. And then on Friday night at 10 30, uh, if you're into DFS, we have a DFS show on that night. 
Uh, we'll break down the entire slate for that for that weekend. Uh, so you can find me on both those nights during the season. And if you're not already in the going for two discord, make sure you get in there. It is in my Twitter profile. You can find the link there or you can find it at going for com. We got lots of great guys in there answering questions, uh, some sit start stuff, some waiver wire stuff, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Uh, and thanks again one last time for your purchase. Uh, we hope to see you all again uh, next year. Uh, for Brian, uh, for Kyle, I'm Jeff. Uh, Jersey! (laughs) I love it. I love it. Coastal Cats. (laughs) Good stuff, fellas. Good stuff.